Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. And it looked like uh, we're going to have to expand here and uh, uh, we had different worship teams. Sometimes... The worship teams were easy to sing with, and you just felt so excited, so worshipful, and, and sometimes not so much. And, um, but our worship team today was, again, so very good. So thank you, worship team. And then after those glory days of, uh, you know, 400, almost 500 people, uh, it was so hard when we saw people... People leaving. And one would leave for this reason, another for this, others, you just didn't know why. Why did they go? But you stayed here. You remained. You remained faithful. And um, as one of the people who has been in leadership so much a part of that time I am so grateful that you have stayed and I believe that as I look here this morning uh, there's a lot more people than were here a year ago and I'm so grateful for that and I like to believe that there are good days ahead for you right on and that God has good plans amen for this church family. You know, we have different struggles that we here in North America go through with churches, but uh, we really know little or nothing about persecution. And uh, this is the Sunday we want to pray for the persecuted churches around the world. And... uh, uh, God loves those churches, those brothers and sisters. Uh, we don't know their names, but God does, and we will spend eternity with them. And so we need to be caring about them, not just on praying for the persecuted church Sunday, but regularly, perhaps even daily, think about brothers and sisters who are go- undergoing all kinds of unimaginable difficulties. Uh, And and I'm going to ask Gerald in a moment to come and uh, lead us in that prayer. Partly because he knows more about persecuted churches probably than most of us or all of us do. And so he will be able to uh, sort of model for us how he has learned to pray for the persecuted church. And if you would like to pray with just a little more understanding... I would encourage you to see Stuart Black after. He has a a little handout on how to pray for the persecuted church, some very specific things. And uh, so I would uh, urge you to uh, see Stuart Black. And if he runs out, then he'll get some for you for another time. I'm so grateful for the missions team that has uh, uh, helped to plan the last two Sundays. what a great start we had last week with David Hearn and then Adam Duick in the That's evening. And today again, uh, great speakers are with us. Uh, Gerald and Dorothy Hogenberg have served in various fields with the Christian Missionary Alliance and um, uh, just served so faithfully in, uh, in often very difficult situations and And often when I would hear what Gerald and Dorothy are doing and what country they're living in, I would think, he's younger than I am. How does he have a clue what to do uh, in that situation? But uh, he has never thought that, I'm sure. Um, And so in just a moment, you're going to ask, ask, I'm going to ask Gerald to come up and speak to us. Another person, another missionary who is with us this morning, and she'll be speaking to us tonight, is Lizette Lavoie. Uh, She's here today, and I'm just going to ask her to just stand. Would you stand, please, Lizette? (laughs) 
At the conclusion of the service this morning, we're going to be receiving a love offering for Gerald, and then tonight we'll receive another love offering for Lizette. So thank you for your wonderful generosity. Would you now just give a warm welcome to Gerald as he comes and speaks to us? Thank you, man. delight to be here with you this morning. And yes, and we do think of the persecuted church, your brothers and sisters throughout the whole world. And the words of Jesus echo in our hearts and our ears. In this world, you will have troubles. But listen, I have overcome the world. Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. And with those words echoing in the hearts and the lives of the disciples, they were catapulted to the world. Not always easy but difficult. Yes, I've worked in the Middle East, in Africa, and Central Asia, and the Arabian Peninsula, and I've seen wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ. But without taking an hour or two or many hours to talk about this, there's one passage of scripture that just keeps coming to my heart when I think about praying for the persecuted church. And it's found in Romans. Just listen to these words, these words of God that, that guide and give us hope. Well, then, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered just because of the name of Christ. But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, say it, brother, (laughs) I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any other powers, nothing present, height nor depth nor any other thing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The beautiful name we've been singing about, it's all about Christ. And so as we pray, just for a few moments, that's probably the biggest gift that anybody can receive in any context when there's pressure to conform of not to love Christ. It's to have the gift of the presence of Christ himself. Let's just pray at this time. And Father, I just think of the persecuted church, our brothers and sisters scattered throughout the world. And we feel increasing pressure even over here in Canada. But Lord, I pray that first of all, your word would echo in their hearts. May they continue to memorize and meditate and focus on your word. And Lord God, I just ask in Jesus' name that your spirit would just enliven their hearts. You do tell us in this world, we will have trouble. This is nothing new. And thank you so much that you promised that you will overcome. And thank you so much that you do give us the gift of your presence. And so that when all seems lost, yet nothing is lost because we have the greatest gift, your presence with us. And we are more than conquerors because of that. So Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that those that feel so lonely today, forgotten, ill-treated, Lord, that they would just sense your love and that you would wrap your arms of love about them and that they would almost feel your presence in a very, very palatable way. Lord, we know some have lost their families because they have followed you. They've taken wives or perhaps husbands and children from them and they feel so alone. Lord God, they've taken away health sometimes and homes and freedoms. But Lord God, I just pray you would comfort and encourage them. No doubt they're just like myself and anybody here. Fear can grip their heart. But Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would just be near them and that you would just just come close to them and that fear would just be dispelled with faith and hope and love. Yes, Lord. Lord God, I just also pray that you would send unexpected gifts, unexpected people into their, into their orb, into their sphere, those that will bless, those that will listen, perhaps angels unaware, 
And I pray, Lord God, that you would give them an eternal perspective for these things that we go through are but temporal, but your kingdom is forever. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you so much that this will happen. And as we look at this backdrop of eternity, we see that one day you will wipe away every tear and you will make those wrongs right. Thank you so much. I pray, Lord, that you would give our dear brothers and sisters resilience to endure pressure to conform, wisdom and the words, what to say and how to say it at the right time and when to be silent and let your spirit work in powerful ways. More than anything, Lord, I just pray that they would experience the gift of their presence and may they know that they are not forgotten, definitely not by you, but our brothers and sisters, even here in Niagara Falls. Continue to build your church like you have over the centuries. And we look forward to that great day. You will call us home to the praise of your glory. And I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. The points of light do not speak of light density in the world right now, but actually it represents evangelical Christians throughout the world. <laughs> Yesterday morning I talked about, well, this part of Africa. We happen to work in West Africa, Cote d'Ivoire, Burkina. Ah, Lisette works in that area right nearby. <laughs> Uh, Livingston, I mentioned yesterday morning, he went there, and you can even see the Netflix documentary, and at the end of his stint, so to speak, there were only four people that he knew of that had bowed the knee to Christ, and you would say, was that a waste? And those that were there suffered, suffered all kinds of persecution. Villages that we've worked in, huh, they would not rather hear about the name of Christ, and yet they'd block their ears and do all kinds of things to repress former missionaries and brothers and sisters in Christ. And you could ask so often, is there any hope? Ah, but there's always amazing strength in what God does. And so now from sub-Sahara Africa, they estimate that probably by the year 2030, something in that area, there could be up to 700 million followers of Christ. Well, look at, look at, look at this part. Oh, what's, that's the Korean War. I, Remembrance Day, where we remember those who gave their yesterday for our today. Remember that? And then some went to the Korean Peninsula. Hardly anybody, anybody would follow Christ over there on pain of death. And so organizations like World Vision were developed and started over there. You couldn't say anything, but with the love of Christ and compassion of Christ, they cared for kids. They taught them in schools. They did medical work, a wonderful things. Catapult yourself over there to Korea right now. <laughs> you will see eight or 9,000 crosses on huge steeples throughout that place. And per capita, there are more missionaries sent from that part of the world throughout the world than any other place in the world. Probably around 25,000 missionaries are sent and you meet them all over the place. You say that's just since the 1950s? Yeah, unbelievable. What about China where in 49 they kicked out 9,000 international workers? You're not permitted to be here. The Boxer Rebellion. Oh, I tell you, there was not much hope, so we thought. There were just hundred, perhaps a few thousand Christians at the time. And we wondered, what would happen? Ah, but God is always there. And Christians suffered during difficult times, times of pressure to conform and never to speak the name of Christ, to keep it silent. But you know that the Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit, is never bound, never bound by human chains or prison walls. And yet, the church has expanded. And I have the amazing privilege of speaking in Alliance churches in the greater Toronto area. There's almost 100 just in Toronto area. They're large, dynamic. And that's where we're getting so many of the new missionary workers. Ha! 
140 million Christians just in mainland China. And you find them everywhere in the world. You know what? God loves Chinese people. You know why? He made lots of them. <laughs> Unbelievable. And so many in our dynamic. We saw 11,000 of them come in Christ in Dubai. And in Israel, 7,500. Unbelievable. And they're going and being catapulted. Some of them actually feel that it's the God's given agenda for them to finish this part of the work, to go along the silk. It's called the Back to Jerusalem Movement, Central Asia, to go along because Christianity did spread all the way this way and down here. That's a little dark there, so nothing's too difficult for God. So let's move on this way. Ah, along the Silk Road. Unbelievable. And you meet them. And they will do things that you and I don't have the capacity, ingenuity, creativity, or the determination like God has given to them in the power of his spirit. Oh, look about the Philippines. Hey, if you want good worship services too, go to a Filipino worship service. That's amazing. Or the Haitian churches, right? Like in Montreal. You know, I was in Montreal there. And I was speaking in a Haitian church. I just told my sister that. And I remember growing up over there in Peanut, uh, and there were like three or four Haitian families. Now they bought a Catholic church over there. There were 750 people in Montreal for Jesus and Jésus pour Montréal. Hallelujah. And we're, it's beautiful what God has done. But you know, never, never judge what God is doing throughout the world by our own environment. So often those that were at the center of Christianity find themselves at the periphery, and those that were in the periphery find themselves at the center. Oh, Gene Shannon can tell you all about South America. How when they started off, Gene, are you there? Where are you? Where's your hand? There it is. Oh, hey, how they would spit and throw stones and do all manner of things to those that named the name of Christ. Well, we don't go there a whole lot. You ever watch World Cup? Another couple of years, which will be held over there. And the Brazilian team, did you see that? They kind of banned the T-shirts under the T-shirts. When they won, they ripped up their chest and it says, I love Jesus and all other men and things. They say 40% of even soccer players in Brazil are Christians. I met professional basket players in Venezia in an international church over there. What do you here for? Well, basketball, that's a side issue. Why else would you? To tell people on my French teammates about Christ. It's happening, friends, all over the world. And what about, well, North America, that's changing. Oh, and Quebec. Well, it's kind of dark here. You know why? Because nobody lives there. But anyways, <laughs> except our dear uh, Inuit friends. But over here in Quebec, uh, where they all walked away. But you know, there's a new renewal movement starting to happen in Quebec. Yes. Jésus pour Quebec. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And, you know, like, hey, the stories will go on. And you just wonder, you know, like, oh, that was all just a piece of cake. No, so many people had to, in a certain sense, be marginalized. There were just degrees of antagonism to the presence of Christ in so many of these environments. But they persevered, and God was with them. And people continued to invest their lives, not in their own strength, because in your own strength, friends, you cannot stand but God has not left us alone. Remember that. Hallelujah. He has given us the gift of his presence. Hallelujah. He has given us his Holy Spirit. Thank you. And I'm going to ask my wife to turn the light on for a moment here. So, Jesus, and it's not my words, but Jesus had these wonderful things that he would talk to his disciples about. And it's harvest time now. And so there he was. John chapter 12 and verse 24. These are not my words, but the words of Jesus. Listen. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. And elsewhere he said, sometimes one seed can produce 30, sometimes 60, sometimes even a hundred other kernels of wheat. Here's one kernel of wheat. 
I actually picked this in Germany when I ran my hands over the top of those stalks as they bent in the wind. There's nothing beautiful, more beautiful than seeing a huge, huge field like you see in the prairies of this wheat field, golden in the sun with the wind just rippling through the tops. And you see the big combines coming through and grinding and growling through that, sometimes five or six in a line, and just with the dust and all that, just reaping up all that harvest. And you see the dump trucks come by and all of a sudden they open the spouts and it just pours in. And of course, so much of these, so many of these combines are automated. And they're self-driving machines, which make them more efficient. But you know what? It started off with a farmer who had seed grain like this. And he had to make a choice. In the springtime, he had to choose what would he do with that kernel of wheat? Would he keep it or would he put it in that cold, dark, wet, inhospitable earth? And as Jesus walked through those wheat fields, perhaps he ran his hands over the top. His disciples were following him, and he picked one of those stalks. And he took that stalk of wheat and probably pulled off one of those kernels, like this kernel you see. And he said to his disciples, and you're a follower of Christ. He said this, profound words, Profound, simple words, but simply profound. He said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, and he was thinking of the day they would take him and stretch him out on that cross and suspend him between heaven and earth, and his blood would flow to the ground, not something that he was really looking forward to. It remains a single seed. But in his eye of faith and understanding, he knew that one day there would be even 2.3 billion people that in some way follow him in this world at this particular point. But if it dies, it produces many other seeds. Friends, your life, and Jesus would say, is like a kernel of wheat. Look at it. Does it seem like much? No? There it is. Oh, could you describe that for me, Pete? Looks dry. Looks dry. <laughs> kind of wrinkly, too, like my face. <laughs> you didn't want to say it. Hey, age may wrinkle the skin. To lose enthusiasm wrinkles the soul. <laughs> my soul's not wrinkly. And, and there it is. Have you ever gone up to your bedroom at night? And there you go and you turn the light out. When I was a single guy, I'd do that. And you look up into the ceiling and you just finish counting the cracks and you think, I've got to go off to college. You're like, what's my future? I feel so insignificant standing against the ideologies here in this world. Like even I look at myself, I can't do a whole lot. Well, they tell me, you know, no. And like, God, who am I? I can't even speak. I hated to speak. That's the worst thing I ever wanted to do. But you know what? God has made your life like this little kernel. And inside that kernel, there's a miracle that's awaiting to explode. That's right, brother. Unbelievable gifts, talents, abilities that he wants to take because he didn't make junk when he made you, but he wants you to be all that you want to be, all that he wants you to be in an amazing way. You say, really? Now, sometimes as the hair gets grayer, you say, I hope the young people are listening. It's for them. No friends. Every single season, the farmer knows that he needs to take that kernel of wheat and stick it in the ground. 
So no matter what, age has nothing to do with the youth and life comes to all of us every day yes, as he gives. So I can take this little kernel of wheat, which I picked in Germany, and I did get through the border with that. <laughs> and I couldn't put it on my kitchen counter or on the top of this piano. I could come down in the morning. Hi, hey, how you doing, Colonel? Good, have a good nap, yeah? Hey, I gotta head out, and so in case I don't see you, uh, have a good afternoon, good evening, and good night, you know? And next morning you'll go, but still there, eh? Still there! I guarantee you that will happen, that syndrome will happen day in after day out, week in, week out, year in and year out, and they'll put this up in some little mausoleum who knows where, and it remains one little kernel of wheat. Or, or, you can take this little kernel. Spring will come, friends. The chill in the air, it will warm up, and the ground will be cold. It will be dark, it will be wet, oh yes. It will seem inhospitable after you dig out all the little heebie-jeebies and you get it ready for your next garden. And then you have to choose to risk. You have to choose. What will you do with that kernel? And Jesus said, the wise person who really wants to find life, he does something that's totally counterintuitive. He takes that kernel of life and he bows down and he puts it in the ground and covers it over and he waits and he looks and then and only then the miracle of germination happens, which oh. scientists can't totally even explain it today. Oh. And then all of a sudden, up pops that little blade, and it starts to grow, and the sun shines, and the wind blows, and there's all kinds of things, but before you know it, there's an amazing thing that happens. It was on a Monday morning, and I was walking away from my home in this little town called Dimboko. And by the way, life is full of stories. Next Sunday, perhaps, we'll ask you to tell your story here. Amen. Oh, it's, your story is important. And we need to listen to each other's stories. And so there, there I was. Well, there were a whole lot of churches in the surrounding district. There's only one pastor and a catechist and myself. And there were 18,000 people that were there in that environment, but uh, no, I'm gonna take my day off and go down to see the pastor. <laughs> and as I walked down that dusty path, down this hill, there was this building, three times as big as this, a walls that were a little higher. There was no roof over it, and as I walked back and down, a conversation started to happen. Jesus wants to have conversations with us every day, Hallelujah. which can become defining moments in history. Thank you. He said, you know, Gerald, I'd like you to go to this building, this place. Yeah. Uh, not a chance. What? Really? Not a chance. You know, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> happened to be the local prison. And he says, no, Gerald, remember, you know, you read this, this thing called the Bible, my word, you know, and he says, like, oh, what's true religion? Well, you know, it's even taking care of the widows and visiting those that are sick. And what about those in prison? Yeah, but Lord, it's not on my job description. I mean, show me the mission didn't give me it to me, you know? He says, forget the mission, you know. It's like we're having a conversation. So I'd like you to go there. And immediately, this thing called fear knocked at the door of my heart. 
Ever happened to anybody here? Any hands? Nobody's ever been afraid. An unusual church, okay. It happens to us all. And the hair stands up on the back of your head because I feel so incompetent. I feel like that little kernel of wheat. Like, what do I have to offer to these guys? And not only that, those prisons. Look, and then all of a sudden, that, the litany of excuses starts coming up, you know? And they're very cerebral. Well, Lord, you know, I only have so many hours in the day. Uh, not only that, I'm not gifted for something like that. Lord, I haven't had a seminary course in going to a prison. Lord, uh, you know, on and on and on it goes. And then at the end, it's like the Lord says, uh, anything else to say? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And then he says, don't worry, I'm with you. Really wanted to keep going on and stick my ears and my, my fingers in my ears and go, la, 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 I don't want to hear this. He says, just think about it. And trust me, faith. As the saying goes, you know, fear knocked at the door of my heart. But faith opened it. And no one was there. Fear, the dark room in the soul, where negatives are developed. <sighs> A couple of my friends. Francois. Kofi Francois and Yao Lambert. Come on, guys, let's, let's go to the prison. Well, initially I went over there. As you get closer to the place, the guards that are just lounging around, all of a sudden they get up. Bonjour, messieurs. Je suis le pasteur de l'église protestante CMA, l'Alliance Chrétienne et Missionnaire. Ah, le pasteur, mais l'église protestante, mais vous protestez de quoi aujourd'hui? You're the pasteur of the Alliance, the, the Protestant church. What are you protesting about today? <laughs> uh, well, that's not exactly the welcome. I, was, I, I don't need this. And you start talking and chatting with them. And you say, you want to come to the prison? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'll go. Would you, could I talk to the warden at least? He said, okay, come in. Warden says, like, why would you, these are low lives. These are useless. Look at these guys are in here. We've locked them in and that's it. And they should be here. Why would you want to come over here and waste your life on these people? And inside I'm thinking, oh, yeah, good question. And then, of course, you answer theologically because God loves them, because God loves the whole world, and he gave his son. And Christ can actually change and touch their lives. Sometimes you kind of believe it, but you don't totally believe it. You ever have that happen? Something you're, you know, anyways, it's happened to me. Oh God, you can do this, but I, I'm not quite sure about that. So the warden says, well, hey, if you want to come, sure, why not? Uh, but okay, every second Saturday morning and uh, six o'clock in the morning, thought to myself, I can hardly contain my excitement. <laughs> six o'clock in the morning, yes. <laughs> that means I got to be up at five. That means, and there, Francois and Yao Lambert with their African tom-toms, wooden carved tom-toms with the goat skin, tightly stretched over the top. We come there, and the guards with their Kalishnikovs throw them on their shoulders, and they open this big metal door. And we start walking down, and at the end, about where our friend is sitting at the end, there are these other gates with bars that thick, big chains, huge lock. They put the key in, the lock opens, the chains clung to the floor, and then they open up that gate to an inner room that's about as big as from here to there, no ceiling, no roof, which opens up to the six other pens where the 350 are contained. 
And then they close the door and I say, you're coming in too to the guards. They said, no. <laughs> and the door is closed and the chain is put on and the lock is secured. Well, just another Saturday, no. <laughs> and then you stand there, open up the gates and there they come. That first Saturday morning, about 75, Young boy, he's stolen the equivalent of like five bucks and a couple of pigeons. And he's in his shorts and a tattered t-shirt. He's 13 years of age and he's just like walking out. Another guy, I didn't know them all that the only last time, one time you get to know more of them. His name is Kwasi Bartholomew, Kwasi Bartholomew. Ah, and why are you in here? Corruption. A functionnaire, a civil servant for corruption. And there is another fellow, actually from Guinea, Sungri Jacob. And what, what they called him Cooper de Tête. And they say he would cut heads and sell them, and people would bury them in their yards to get voodoo power. And all kinds of guys. They tell me that the night before they took two cadavers, young men who'd been infected by SIDA, AIDS, and unceremoniously threw their bodies into a dump truck where they buried them in a potter's field not to be remembered. And as you stand there, the sky up above, you see nothing except a little bird flitting and landing on the perch of the top of that wall. You say, God, what do I say? It's good to have you here, guys, this morning. You know, the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Come on, let's fess up. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you being here, and I don't need to know all the things that you've done. Because all of us, has anybody here ever stolen some money from their mother's purse? Let's all put our hands up. <laughs> Have we ever hated somebody so much that we would rather not see them here? We didn't do anything, but that's, Jesus said, like committing murder. Jesus. And, what, and the story goes on and on in our hearts. And I thought to myself, the difference between you guys and me is you were caught and I wasn't. But God so loved the whole world. And he loves you. And there's nothing that we've done that can ever separate us from his love. If we just ask nothing. him to forgive us, to bend our hearts and our knees to him and ask us to come into our lives and change our lives. It seems impossible, but God will do that. And I'm asking you this morning to come and make a commitment to Christ. And he will change your life. I won't, but he will. And you will see miracles happen. Hallelujah! And to see these guys come forward. It was around 24, that first Saturday morning of about the 75. And I thought, whoa. I had a lot of faith. I brought five Gospels of John. And I think it might have been uh, maybe Gideon's. I don't know. Five Gospels of John. There's 24. I said, what do I do? How do I divide it? Well, I gave it to him and I said, I had a brain, you know, like, wow. Uh, hey, if you memorize John chapter 14 or 15, hey, it's a good passage, isn't it? Perhaps uh, maybe in two weeks' time. Oh, they got time on their hands, yeah. Uh, I'll give you a New Testament. Came back next time with five New Testaments and 20 Gospels of John. 20 of them had memorized the chapter of the 24. <laughs> Whoa! And it started a whole thing. And before you knew it, you sang okay this morning. Worship team did great. You can believe the way those guys would sing.
Eventually there were six choirs, African choirs, all guys. La 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 la. <laughs> Got it. Bingo. Unbelievable. Nous acclamons, clamons le say. Oh man, and you get the drums going. Oh yeah. Unbelievable. You say, why was it? Because YouTube was there? No. Why was it? Because it was like nothing else? No, there was this. Guys set free. There is nothing worse than that black cloud. You see that in my, I saw it in my own life until Christ set me free. There's this black cloud that hangs over you. But when you're set free from the guilt of that which we've done, he gives you life and joy and peace and then a purpose. And they would share the gospel with theirs. Others, Roger Ngeta, who was one of the guards in the past, he was implicated in a town robbery and he was one of the nastiest guards. You think, this guy, will he survive? The Christian guys protected him and he came out and sat on the front bench at the very end of the service. He said, can I stand up? And started to recite Psalm 51. Created me a new heart, oh God, and a right spirit within me. Oh, unbelievable. And a pr prison with over 150 guys who eventually started to memorize Thiessen's theology, study, and all these kind of things. And some would be released. Quasi Bartholomew, you know, the functionary says, you know, I'd much rather stay in this hell, excuse me for language, but this is the world. I'd much rather stay in this hell hole for the rest of my life and live for God than go back out into the world and serve the devil. Amen. And Sungri Jacob, he would spend time, you know, the head, he would spend time fasting. I says, I mean, I could play the xylophone on your ribs, man. What are you doing that for? He says, I just want to get closer to God. Because if I ever get out of this place, I want to tell my people about Jesus. Hallelujah. And there was a radiant joy, and the atmosphere in that prison changed. We came back home. We went there. The prison warden says, you left. You shouldn't have left. The atmosphere, you can come back anytime, day or night, whatever you want. And the guards weren't, you know, like, no, hey, great to have you. Whole Christmas play, my wife, my mother-in-law were there in that prison with some Catholic nurse who we worked at, the physical needs and all that. And they... How do you say that in English? Cookies, they could put their money together to buy candies, halftime intermission between Genesis and mid Bible to write to Revelation. Two hours, memorize scripture. They do the candy presentation. You know, people who always were in it for themselves took in different ways. Now their hearts change and they give. That's the sign of a Christian. They give, they live for others. Praise and God. society round about it says, you want to find life? Grab it for yourself. In the name of Jesus. Because there's only one party here and you're about to be finished. Jesus says, no. Take the kernel of your life. Jesus. Take it. And plant it and invest it. He who seeks to save his life, he'll lose it. Lose your life for my sake and Amen. the sake of the gospel. And you'll find it unbelievable. Amen. Counterintuitive. Simply profound and profoundly simple. Amen. And history's been changed. Look at the stories. We pray for the person. Get to the church and you know what? The stories are the same. So there I am in Erbil, in northern part of Iraq. And I close with this because I'm supposed to be done soon. And the stories are myriad. ISIS and our teams are there right now too for the next wave of refugees that are coming from northern Syria because it's in the Kurdish area. Yazidi people. And here they come from Mosul, former Nineveh where no, even Nehemiah did, or no, uh, Jonah didn't even want to go. Ur of the Chaldees, right in there. That's where Abraham went up there as he went along that fertile crescent. And there in an apartment in Erbil, not far from Mosul, three families, 18 people in a very small apartment with three bedrooms. Placed there. Destiny put them there. God allowed them to be there. Didn't know the people. Their cars were taken. 
Their possessions were taken. They got out with their life. And here, through translation, they asked me to give a little testimony of my parents who left Holland in the war <laughs> and how good things happened and their trust in God. And they tell that, and we tell that story, and then tears would run down their cheek. And they said, yeah, no, we weren't forgotten. And one lady I remember, spokesperson, dynamic, nice lady, <laughs> in her 30s, I guess, she says this, you know what? They took everything. And we thought we had lost it all. But here we came. Jesus. They were of some Christian faith. I'm from the majority faith. And ISIS, Daesh, they took it all. But you know what? We had to have it all taken away to unblock our ears so that we could hear the words of life and come to know Christ. Thank you, Lord. And even though all is gone, yet we are more content now than we've ever been. See, contentment makes poor people rich and discontentment makes rich people poor. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And to see these families in an environment that you and I will probably not put up with at hearts of gratefulness and thankfulness and contentment, which made them rich people because of the power of Christ. And also a group of people like yourselves that actually took the risk to throw a buck on the offering plate, an extra dollar on the offering plate so some other people could be catapulted like some of our nurses and some physicians that we have there to minister to physical and needs of women who were abused by ISIS, who still this day cannot speak because of the traumatic incidences of seeing family members done away with and unspeakable atrocities done to them. Why waste your life? with people like that. Oh, but some of them have come here and are in the ESL classes and whatnot. Wow, what a minefield. The world has come here. You say, well, I, I can't go over there. Yeah, but they've come here. The point of it all is not some organization or some group, but it's a kernel of life. It's your life. And it's a life that is significant and meaningful. And Jesus said, truly, truly, or isn't it nice to hear truth? <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, unless that kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it does, it will become many other seeds. Friends, Hallelujah! we have the gift of living lives of strategic intent to give our lives away for God, for others, and so find life. And every day as we wake up, would it be to a, an alarm? To whatever your world is, your neighborhood, your school, your classmates, your environment, and you see your weakness, look to him and his greatness. And if we can say, Lord Jesus, help me. Thank you for the gift of this day. Fill me with your spirit. And let me be the person that you want me to be. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Because maybe, as I mentioned to somebody this morning, I, in the biblical narrative, Gene, those apostles just started to walk on the road and all of a sudden this Ethiopian eunuch showed up. He could have, who's this guy? No. And there was an interaction with Christ. And what happened? History was changed. Hallelujah! One person. And what we do, and what you do in life, with his power and his strength, will echo in eternity. Hallelujah!
Martin Luther King had two days, as I mentioned yesterday. Today and that day, the backdrop of eternity. Today I want to live in the light of that day, the great day of the Lord, when Christ will come back and wipe away all tears and those injustices will be made right and he will reign forever and ever. Yes. But till that day, till that day, we have each other. So, you know, it's not just an individual. But guess what? There's a whole bunch of kernels of wheat here. Say, well, you know, glory days are best. No. With God, there's always glory days ahead. So to put your heads and hearts and hands together with new faces and new places and new ways and ask him, Lord, do wonderful things. You see, there's great power in wheat. And he will do amazing things. And in parts of the world, the combines are growling. And tons of wheat is coming in. Other places, you got to pick the rocks. Perhaps you'll be a rock picker on the fields. Some days you might be planting, but at the end of the day, it's God that gives the growth. Praise the Gate Alliance Church. Pastors, elders, members, first-time first time visitor, anyone that's here today, God bless you. God bless you. Don't listen to the enemy or don't let fear grip your heart. Perhaps this is the first time you've heard any of this and seems strange and you said, to give my life to Christ, don't be afraid. You say it's kind of risky. Well, not to do so is risky. Give your life to Christ. And you say, well, the golden years are past. No, friends, every day that God gives oh, us, yes. wherever we are, he wants to bless you and to use you, to love God with all our hearts because it's being to and our neighbor as herself, however that looks. And it's looked different for us all, isn't it? Again, may these words echo in your heart today and in the days to come. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it does, it produces many other kernels of wheat. 30, 60, 100. Hallelujah. And don't keep your story for yourself. Share it and give God the glory. God bless you. And may he give you strength and courage to be the person that God wants you to be. Amen and amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m. And we look forward to seeing you soon and know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.